Imperial Media presents The Brooke Taylor Show Encounter, Adventure, Evangelize And now your host, Brooke Taylor Okay, so not all of my shows are on my teenage son's playlist but I'm really excited to say that this one made their radar so I feel really good about that and it's because of the guests that you are about to meet today if you are on the wildly popular app TikTok he will already likely be familiar to you he is TikTok famous as they say and you can also find him on Twitter Instagram and EWTN where he has appeared Facebook so how about that for spanning the missionary territory of the globe and spanning all age demographics as well. So it's pretty impressive. Thanks be to God. I am talking about Father Simon Ashaki joining us today on the show. Welcome, Father. Thank you so much for for having me, Brooke. It's a pleasure being with you today. Well, it's mutual, and you are doing some pretty amazing things. You're a Chaldean priest, and I want to get into your history and your background, your family, because that's so notable, so beautiful. But I have to say, because my kids are chomping at the bit, I have right away to ask you about TikTok, because it's currently, if people don't know, the fastest growing social media app in the world. When I first heard about it, There was a lot of talk of, oh, China's watching. This is not going to stick around. This thing will not last. And I was wrong. At the time of this recording, you alone, your account has 12 and a half million likes, almost a half a million followers on a platform that has a lot of young people in particular. So for those who are not super into it, like like I'm really not, can you give us just a quick tutorial for for us old people? How does it actually work? (laughs) Sure. And yeah, I'll just say the way that I got on it was actually because of the pandemic going on in the world, actually, you know, because we were losing our youth. They were not coming to church anymore, mainly because of that, because we could not have in-person activities. And so I was already doing a little bit of social media outreach, but uh, definitely not as much as I'm doing now. But I decided to do something where I could reach the younger people. And it was because I spoke to my uh, teenage cousins and they would always show me videos of, you know, random, random stuff that they found on TikTok, you know, including a lot of stuff from other Christians. And I really saw a lack of a Catholic presence on there. So um, I tried it out myself and, you know, it obviously got pretty popular. But uh, the reason for it is because TikTok actually has, when you open the app, it has two sides of of the page basically it's your own personal page where you can see videos of people that you follow but then there's something called the for you page and if you haven't heard of that it's just the the public page of tiktok where they they post random videos from uh many people that you don't even follow things that uh, you would like things that um, are adjusted to uh, your taste and they basically see that based on what you like and what you comment on and what you interact with on the app and so those types of videos can get really popular you know even if a person like me i was completely new on the app i started with you know zero followers and then all of a sudden i just kept on growing because I think that there was a lack of, uh, like I said, Catholic presence on the app, especially a lack of Catholic clergy. And so, you know, people would be just scrolling through the app and they would just see a man in a collar and would just be, you know, interested in what I had to say. Who is engaging and challenging. I think that's what's so great about it. And I wanted to give an example. So I pulled a few of your videos we're going to listen to. This was the first TikTok you ever posted. And I'm going to hold it up to the mic and you'll see, but it's called Save Yourself from Marriage. Take a listen. 
When you do something lustful or impure with another person, whether it's just impure acts or going all the way, you give a piece of your heart, of yourself to that person. And let's say you do it multiple times, either with the same person or with multiple people, and you keep on giving of yourself. And then the time comes when you want to dedicate your life to one person in marriage, and what's happened? You've already given the precious gift of your body and you barely have anything to give. Unless you repent and ask Jesus for mercy and he will give you a new heart because he understands that we are weak, that we fall into sin, but that we can be renewed by his grace. Jesus already gave his whole heart to us when he died on the cross. All we have to do is accept that gift. Wow, Father. Well done. I mean, that's not a subtle message either. This was your first appearance on TikTok, a beautiful teaching. And that went live with like 10,000 comments. Were -hmm. you surprised by some of the reactions? And what were some of the reactions? There were, you know, a lot of people that disagreed with the message, obviously, because TikTok is a very wide platform and you do reach a lot of different types of people. So there were a lot of people that left hate comments like there are on you know, almost all of my videos. But there were a lot of people that were actually really touched by the message. And uh, one of the reasons why I posted that video and why I decided to start with it is because I know that uh, people are seeking the truth and they want to hear it um, as much as they may be comfortable living the life that they are living. They are searching for something greater. And actually, one of the things that inspired me to do that uh, particular thing that if you guys didn't see, if you're you know listening only, I was ripping a uh, paper heart. And then at the end, I showed that Christ will give us a new heart. And the thing that inspired that was um, actually a speech that I gave when I went uh, to a public high school. Uh, we had a... Um, topic that was we could pick any persuasive speech. And so I decided uh, at my public school to try to persuade my peers to safe sex for marriage. And I was very nervous. I was just in high school, but I decided to do it. And I thought of that image. And so I brought the heart and everything and I and I ripped it and I did that whole little, um, you know, experiment there. And then actually a lot of people in the class were very, very touched by it, even people that did not believe in God. And so I've been thinking about it since then. And I said, now I have to do it in some other way to reach more people. Oh, my goodness. So back in high school, this was yeah. something that really, I would say, a seed from the Holy Spirit yeah, that you were given. Yeah. And how true is that? And sometimes the most simple storytelling is the most profound and the thing that sticks with you. Another video that you did that I like, well, it's like the side-by-side you do that. It's the duet and TikTok has this feature. Yeah. And you can do the split screen. Someone says something and then you're allowed to comment on the other videos that have been made. And so one of them is entitled, let me see if I can pull it up here. What Muslims believe about Mary. Hmm. Let's pull that up. Mary, I knew some of this stuff, but I did not know how similar our beliefs were about her. And so I want to ask you or any other Muslim that's watching this, what do Muslims believe Check about this out. Mary? First off, I want to thank Father Simon here for asking this very important question. Thank you for so responding. Let's get to it. Mary, I say to them, the mother of Jesus is so important in a sense that she's considered the greatest woman of all time. And this might surprise a lot of Christians, but she actually has an entire chapter in the Quran named after her. And on top of that, Mary, I say to them, is mentioned over 70 times in the Quran, which is more than Jesus. 
Like Christians, Muslims believe that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus, which makes the birth miraculous. However, her greatness is not tied completely to the fact that she gave birth to Jesus, but because she was an outstanding person on her own. Mary was equally praised because she dedicated her life to God and perfected her faith and her modesty and became an amazing example for generations to come. As it says in the Quran, she is from the devout men and women. You talk about fruitful dialogue there, mm. just like that. How does that work? Did that come into your inbox? And I, because I, I don't even know, but but yeah. how awesome. And then you reshared what he said. Yeah. So what happened was I posted a video. I think we were celebrating the queenship of Mary or one of the one of the Marian feasts. And I posted a video about Mary. And again, like I said earlier, I got a lot of hate on that video, like I did with a lot of my videos, especially from Christians, uh, you know, non-Catholic Christians, uh, you know, a lot of Protestants who were bashing the Catholic view on Mary as being our mother, being our queen. And then among that, uh, among those comments, I had a comment from a uh, Muslim person who actually said that we revere Mary and, and we love her. I knew some of what Muslims believe about Mary, but but I didn't know the extent of it. And so what you can do on TikTok is you could take a comment from one of your videos and you can share it on another video and you can just interact with it and have people interact with that specific comment. And so that's what I did. I just said, hey, I have a question for my uh, Muslim brothers and sisters here. Can you share with me a little more about what you guys believe about Mary? And the response was just incredible. I mean, you know, people tagging me in videos, people making videos, responding to me, people commenting. And then that guy who uh, made the video, he's, uh, you know, um, he has a big platform on there. And he responded and I really loved what he said. And so I shared his response because, like you said, it was a beautiful way of dialoguing between religions. And also I wanted to show those who believe in the Bible and who believe in Mary. I wanted them to know that there are Muslim people who respect her so much more than you do. <laughs> you know, so I just I just wanted to to get that message across. And, you know, it was really something beautiful that we could learn from them. In the process of learning, as you mentioned, and I think what we're piecing together here is the diversity. It's as diverse, TikTok really, as the human experience across the globe. And you have one video, I think, that kind of illustrates that in which you respond, I think, in a very charitable way, some filial correction maybe when it's needed, with a woman called Vegan Teacher. And my kids are very familiar with her, my my sons, and she actually called you out in a video and then you responded. And so I want to take a look at that video. Here we go. Today we're going to continue our series about cognitive dissonance and hypocrisy as it applies to the animal rights movement. Now, there are certain people in every religion who really do not understand God completely, although they pretend to. I agree with you. Today we're going to talk about this gentleman here who calls himself a father although he's not my father, so I won't refer to him that way. His last name is Simon. That's my first name, actually. This gentleman was seen in one of his videos making fun of the death of several animals, a chicken and the secretions of a cow whose baby was taken. I was just having some Chick-fil-A, to be honest with you. These two products come from extreme violence, and yet this man claims that he is going to go to heaven. I didn't claim that I was going to go to heaven. I hope to get to heaven one day. And I hope that you also get to heaven. I'm going to pray for you. May God bless you. 
I, I think that's a beautiful response. I admire that because for me, I'm just being honest, and I've been in media my entire adult life. And one of the things I continue to work on is getting thicker skin. And sometimes it's so easy and straightforward just to say, that's not true. Yes, yes, no. You engage, but in a really, again, charitable way. And I'm glad that you did. Your experience with that, I mean, it seems like you two have had a lot of dialogue because that's just one video, one example. Yeah. Yeah, so... Like you said, we have had a lot of dialogue. I feel bad for her because a lot of people hate her on the app. I mean, she she really gets a lot of hate. Uh, but at the same time, she really misleads a lot of people. And I get DMs and questions all the time about certain things that she says. And um, she's attacked me. She's attacked my my priesthood and, uh, and, and, and other videos as well, my faith as well. And so because of that... I try to, you know, dialogue with her and ultimately my goal is to teach other people that you can dialogue with somebody that you disagree with while at the same time teaching other people what the what the truth actually is. A lot of a lot of my friends and my brothers and sisters in Christ in my circle are not on social media or it's very limited and I know I can hear them when you're talking say, "Well, this is why I would not have the energy to be able to expend in something like this where there's so much vitriol and I don't think it's worthwhile to engage. Now, I am glad that you did. And it seems like this is your work through discipleship. Your thoughts about that? Is there a point where you're like, I'm sure it is because it's overwhelming when any given video you have, you have so many thousands of comments that you just struggle with engaging. When do you decide to engage and, and let it go? And does it ever get to you? That's a great question. And it's actually something that I've been personally actually trying to deal with, especially now during Lent, because it is very overwhelming, you know, being all over social media and having people reach out to me, having people send me videos to respond to. And there are a lot of videos that I watch and that I wish I had time to respond to, but I just don't have time because because actually social media is not my primary ministry. My primary ministry is my service as a priest here for the um, Chaldean Church in San Diego. So I basically make sure that my day is properly ordered and balanced with my holy hour in the morning and daily mass, rosary, and all of that. And then I you know, make sure that I get my ministry work done. And then anything else that I see available that I see that I can do on social media, if it's a very, very popular video, if a lot of people, a lot of Catholics specifically are being affected by it, and if I know that I could just respond to it briefly and, you know, give a good message, you know, a lot of the times I don't have to answer every single question, but I think um, an app like TikTok allows for a very useful video that could be something like just letting people know that there is an answer and that they should go seek the answer. Because I know that I'm not going to give the answers in one minute or less, but I want to um, open people to the um, idea that there are answers, that the Catholic Church is not just built on some random um, you know, idea or, or dream reality, but it's actually built in the truth on the foundation of Jesus Christ who came, lived, died, and rose from the dead. Amen. With your work in doing this, this social media discipleship in some way, 
it seems like you would have, based on all this feedback that you're getting and sharing, have a unique insight into young adults that I think is probably a lot more keen than a lot of people because you're interacting with them in this unfiltered world where they really open up and they share a lot. And there have been numerous studies that have identified the role social media is playing in the rise of depression in teens and young people, mental health. And I see what you're doing and I see how you are pastoring. This is a pastoral mission field that you're shepherding souls in a very unexpected way, I'm sure to you. You probably did not, when the pandemic hit, predict this at all. And I think, God be with you, Father, this is the way to to slow and reverse those statistics that we're reading about because you are reaching into the hearts and minds of these viewers in a way that doesn't patronize them, it doesn't coddle them, it challenges them, it inspires them. I guess anything that you might be able to offer in terms of what you're seeing these young people hunger for. I'm sure it's the same ancient hunger we've always had, and that is that God-shaped hole, that search for something transcendent, someone, which is our Lord. But what is your kind, I know you're not a clinician, you're you're a pastor, but your pastoral input of that, of what you're seeing and observing. Yeah, I think people are desiring mercy, you know, desiring God's mercy. I mean, they know that they're sinners, they know that they that they struggle with sin. You know, a lot of people just want a way out of that, but they don't know how. They don't know how to get out of their sinful ways. And in addition to that, and uh, something that helps people get out of that is their knowledge of the faith. You know, a lot of people really lack knowledge of the faith, and it could be because of their upbringing where they were not really, you know, introduced to a lot of the teachings of the church. But nonetheless, a lot of people are just far from the faith. And so when they see something that they've never understood in in their whole life and all that they've, you know, experienced of it is um, arguments against that uh, specific belief, and then they see just a short video, you know, briefly explaining the belief about Mary, the belief about purgatory, the belief about confession. And when they when they encounter even a one minute video that just shows a couple Bible verses backing that up, they get really interested. What I'm trying to do on the app is because there are people there already, it's very easy. You know, you just go there where they are and you post content that could draw them in. And actually, one of the things that I do as well as, you know, the uh, religious videos is um, I started doing some food reviews. I just, you know, try different types of food and just rate them. You know, those have gotten pretty popular as well. And I, one of my friends actually sent me a post that he found on on Reddit about a, a guy talking about his conversion back to the Catholic faith. He started it by saying he was just browsing through TikTok one day and then he saw a priest trying a certain type of food and then he so he clicked on my profile yeah and then he just scrolled through my profile and then he he saw one of my videos where i posted about praying the rosary that that could really help dealing with habitual sin and then he said um, he started praying the rosary after that and then he he found his way back <laughs> to the church and so, so i thank god How that beautiful. you know through a video of me like eating nachos or something, a guy started praying the rosary every day. (laughs) That gives us hope for all of us, Father. I mean, what a world, what a world that we are in. It's wacky, but it's also beautiful. And again, just just your witness. And that's the thing I think is he found you. He found you through the nachos and then, you know, this trail that led providentially to something deeper and more. So that's one, because I was going to ask you, beautiful fruit, the feedback that you received, any other stories that have really touched you or stayed with you? Taking a brief break 
to thank our sponsor. And I can't wait, by the way, for you to hear what Father Simon has in answer to that question. But a big thank you to our sponsor making today's episode possible. That is my friends at Select International Tours. If you're feeling called to travel specifically to pilgrimage, a sacred journey, consider Select International with their deposit guarantee. You won't lose your deposit if you need to change your plans more than 90 days before departure. Father John Michael Paul and I are traveling back to the Holy Land October 28th through November 7th of this year. And then next year, next June, we'll be going to Oberammergau, Germany for the world-famous Passion Play. Also visiting Lourdes, Paris, Normandy, Munich along the way. So visit my page on the Select International website. You can not only see the details about these next two trips and then also at the end of next year, an additional trip back to the Holy Land again, but you can reserve your spot for the journey of a lifetime. Go to selectinternationaltours.com slash BTS, and I'll also link up the information in the show notes. Now, back to my conversation with Father Simon. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I love and that, you know, really makes me feel satisfied with this ministry is the amount of people that are starting to now, you know, like I mentioned with that specific gentleman, but now a lot of people are praying the rosary more because not only of the TikTok videos that I do, but also because I do a rosary on TikTok and um, Instagram and Facebook as well. And so it's through those videos, you know, when they start following my account, then they get a notification every day that I'm live. (laughs) And so they have the opportunity to either join or not every single day. And so I do see those numbers, you know, increasing steadily as well of people joining in on the rosary itself. And, uh, you know, people have reached out to me also letting me know that they did start to pray the rosary and, and that they're more devoted to it now that they're, than they've ever been. And so that, I think, is one of the greatest fruits is just leading people to Christ, to a more solid prayer life, to the sacraments. And when I see that happening, then I thank God for, for using me as his instrument to bring people to him. Yes, and your faithfulness. There has been some backlash, though. You were actually suspended at one point because of sharing church teaching on traditional marriage. Is that, again, one of those times or moments that ever make you think, maybe I don't need this hassle. Maybe I should just stay in my parish. I've got a lot going on. How did you handle that situation? So, yeah, that was in uh, June and the beginning of, of Pride Month. And so I was, you know, basically like you said, explaining the church teaching on marriage, where I said that we have to love everybody and that, um, you know, we have to all work on our own sinfulness, including people who do homosexual actions and including people who do heterosexual actions outside of marriage. And so it was just a general video about, you know, the fact that we're all sinners, we all need God's grace, and we all need to treat other people with love. But what does it mean to treat with love? It means you want what's best for a person. And so you don't want them to stay in their sinfulness. So if they're doing any type of sinful action, you don't want to to support them in that action. And so that was the point of my video. It went viral on uh, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, actually. And what happened was people started making fake profiles of me on, you know, gay dating websites and, you know, started uh, messaging me, attacking me. I was I was doxxed. My family's address was actually posted online. And so there was a lot of stuff happening at that time. It was very overwhelming because it was the you know first time that I ever went viral for something like that and where so many people were sending me hate messages. So it was very tough to deal with. But by the grace of God, 
I got through it by the support of those around me as well. And it was a great learning experience for me. Um, although it was, you know, like I said, very tough because TikTok even, they banned me for a week. And then they, after I got my profile back, they actually shadow banned me completely. So I was not able, so all of my content was not going on the uh, For You page, none of it actually. So actually, uh, you mentioned that, you know, you showed my first video. That was my first video from my new account, actually. So okay. yeah, after all of that, I, I, I scratched that account, which had about uh, 60,000 followers. And I was so discouraged <laughs> that, you know, I, it got up to that and it was reaching so many people. And then all of a sudden it was basically a dead account. But I still decided to just make a new account and just, just work from there. And obviously, yeah, you could not be stopped <laughs> yeah. because that's the beautiful imagery of of Holy Spirit fire. It's just igniting and spreading in the most beautiful way. And to be honest with you, in your tradition as a Chaldean Catholic, it is synonymous with persecution. And I know we're talking a lot about the story of your influence on social media and evangelization, but the story really begins with your remarkable life and testimony. Your parents were born in Baghdad. They came to the United States in the 1970s, and you were born. So your first generation here in America. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, ahead. you're growing up in this religiously free country. That reality is a gift, but also very present to you is that you, your family, your community, that you are Chaldean Catholic from a place that you had to flee because of persecution. How much has that formed and influenced you, particularly your call to religious life, your vocation? Yes. So like you mentioned, my parents came from Iraq and they, you know, lived here in America and I was born and raised here in the, you know, Chaldean church, uh, which is one of the Eastern rites of the Catholic church. So we have the same faith. We are under the authority of the Pope, but we have a different way of expressing that faith through our language and our uh, traditions as well. Uh, and the language obviously is um, Aramaic for, you know, those viewers who did not know. And so it was just beautiful for me to be raised in that culture and church environment. And I really learned a lot about our past. And like you mentioned about how our church fathers, you know, specifically in the, you know, all over the Catholic Church, but also mainly in the Chaldean Church, which is called throughout history the Church of the Martyrs because of how much we were persecuted throughout history. And I just heard stories about people standing up for their faith in Christ and trying to spread the gospel amidst so much persecution. And we are facing a lot of persecution here in America, you know, although it may not be physical, but we are facing a lot of Christian persecution. And there are a lot of Christians all throughout the world. You know, it is the most persecuted religion all throughout the world. And so I just felt inspired by the Holy Spirit to really help preserve these beautiful traditions of, of our church and of our, of our history and the writings of our church fathers that have such beautiful meaning for not only those times, but for our lives now. And so I really wanted to share that with people so that they could be nourished by it. And it's so beautiful. We in the West, I think for the first time, it was so transformative, life-changing forever. And longtime podcast listeners will know because so much of it was infused after the first trip that I was blessed to go to the Holy Land and just being exposed to the Armenian church, the Byzantine church, just so much the Coptic church of the traditions, though too, 
the persecution that I learned much more about and becomes much more evident and present when you're there. And now we're receiving just a taste of that. And we've talked about that before, whether it's economic persecution or soft persecution. What advice would you have for Christians grappling, I ask this all the time with the cancel culture, just discerning if they should speak on things that might be controversial? I would tell people, you know, especially those people who know the faith and who want to preach the faith to a culture that does not know the faith, and especially to Catholics that are fallen, you know, falling away, that are drifting away from the faith, I would encourage all of you to not necessarily, and you know, you don't have to make it your main mission to speak about the controversial topics, although you should not be scared too, because it is the truth, you know, because we believe that the teachings of the church are the truth, whenever the church teaches from its magisterium on faith and morals. So I would first say, don't be scared because of that, because you're not speaking on your own authority. You're speaking on the authority of the church, which speaks on the authority of Jesus Christ himself in those, in those topics. But I would also say, like I said, you don't have to only speak about those. You should be showing people the beauty of the Catholic Church, of the Christian faith, of Jesus, and trying to touch people's hearts by the grace of God. You know, you're, you're probably not going to—if there's a person that does not agree with you on a very controversial topic, it's good to um, inform them about the topic and about what the Church teaches on it, but you're probably not going to convert them by one conversation or by one video. You need to reach for them, and you need to teach them about the whole faith, about the beauty of the faith, win them over, have, have Christ win them over for him and for his heart, and then he will do the work. So bring them to Christ, and uh, don't, don't uh, run away from the truth. Stick to Christ and uh, let him do the work. <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious about your formula of how of how you do that because this advice is so evergreen. All of us that we need to follow. What is your daily formula? Because there's so many that don't know their faith, and we're always learning. And this is one of I think the beautiful fruits of falling in love with our Lord and coming to the church is you realize that for the rest of your life, if all you do is invest your time in prayer, devotion, sacraments, and reading, it's still not enough. You know, it's I mean because it just goes on and on through eternity and the beauty of that and the graces that we receive. But then we also do have things like we have to work somehow, time swallows up our days. And it's like, I wish that I was farther along, especially during a time of Lent. I wish that I was holier, that I was doing more, that I was maybe more detached from the news or from, again, these apps that are constantly pinging and giving us notifications. Do you have a formula that works for you in terms of the percentage of your day and how you break it up to be effective, to be able to touch on all those things, study, prayer, community, fellowship. It's challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I'll just share with you personally what I did this morning. <laughs> now it's about 8.30 for me. And so this morning I started at uh, 5.30 in the morning with my um, holy hour. And then um, I came back and did my my rosary on you know Instagram Live, and then I did my liturgical morning prayer after that, and then now I'm here with you. And so that basically sets my day straight. You know, it gets me the solid foundation that I need for the rest of my day to be able to do the work that I do. I'm just more guided by the Holy Spirit, and I just have the the spiritual strength and clarity to you know really endure. 
uh, whatever I'm going to go through that day. And so I really think it's very, it's the most important thing to establish a good foundation for your day and to seek first the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says. Seek first. So it has to be the most important thing is your own salvation before anything else. And so whatever time of day you want to do it, whatever works best for you, try to give a good chunk of your day to God, to learning about the faith and to not only learning about the faith, but learning about who he is, meeting him, encountering him. How can we support you and and pray for you? So yeah. for those that aren't on TikTok, but you are on Instagram, you are on Facebook. Yeah. And that's an easy way that we can pray the rosary with you yeah, for yeah. starters, you, right? You can pray the rosary with me. You can include me in your daily prayers, whatever you do. I would really, really appreciate that. If you join me in my rosary, I do three decades in English and two in Aramaic, the Chaldean dialect of Aramaic. So it's very close to what Jesus actually spoke. As we conclude, I just do want to touch on how we also might support our brothers and sisters in the Middle East and show solidarity because the church is hurting. The courage they show, the faithfulness is incredibly inspiring and powerful, but they, I think, also need the edification and consolation knowing that we are praying and supporting them here in the West. Do you have any suggestions for the best way to do that? Yeah, I've worked with some organizations over there, uh, you know, specifically from the um, Chaldean diocese is over there in northern Iraq. One of the organizations that really helps them is um, an organization called Aid to the Church in Need. Also, Knights of Columbus really does a great job helping all of those people that are persecuted. The um, organization actually for the martyrs is doing a great job as well. They have their march uh, and they and they really raise raise awareness and and help those who are persecuted. So those would be a couple. Thank you. Ideas. We're very familiar with Aid to the Church in Need. I will also link it up in the show notes as well. A few years ago, my son and I were blessed to run the Jerusalem Marathon, half marathon for the pontifical charity Aid to the Church in Need. And the purpose was to raise money for persecuted Christians in the Middle East. And it was life-changing, I know. In fact, my my son, as he's getting ready to select colleges, he wants to major in Arabic, and he's also looking at, at, at history. And that pilgrimage and that experience was so monumental, prof- monumentally profound in his life. And so I think this is what you're bringing to us and the young people. You're, you're bringing the beautiful living church that spans throughout the globe in your Chaldean tradition, as well as your American personality. And it's just such a gift. So we thank you so much for your work. Thank you so much, Brooke, and uh, to all of those that are listening and, and watching. May God bless you all. Thank you again to Father Simon Ashaki. You know, I really feel hopeful after a conversation like that because there's so much out there that makes my heart heavy, that makes my head want to explode, that worries me, especially as a mom of teenagers and just all the stuff. As best as we try to protect our kids and to preserve their mental health, to be honest with you, let alone their virtue and their soul, but encountering such an incredible priest like Father Ashaki seeing what he's doing and hearing the heart behind it and kind of the inner workings, which I thought was kind of cool, was really inspiring. So thank you again. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Father Simon Ashaki. And almost tying into that deeper will be next week's guest. On the show, next episode is Brie Dale. And Brie is a correspondent in Rome. So she covers news for LifeSite News, National Catholic Register, also Newsmax. And so we're going to talk about fake news, living in a post-truth world 
in terms of media. And she has a lot of really good insight as far as how to filter all of that, how to discern. And from the perspective of a journalist, some really good reminders for all of us. So that's coming up on next week's show. Also, I haven't really touched on it a whole lot, but just asking for prayers and I will keep you posted as we prepare for the Arise Retreat. That is coming up. It is happening. It's going to be on April 9th through the 11th. And if you're new to the show, the Arise Retreat was really born out of this program, wanting to bring women together because our journeys are difficult and in a spirit of solidarity, renew and restore hearts, be real about some things, fall back in love with the sacraments, with our vocations. And so last year's retreat was postponed and I'm so happy to say it will be happening again on Divine Mercy Weekend. So I will let you know as we get closer, but I'm thinking, you know, we're about a month away. So so that's been going on behind the scenes as well, preparing. It's a sold out event, which I'm so blessed to say, a lot going into it and our hearts are expectant. It's a big, it's exciting. Also a reminder, you can find this episode on my YouTube channel. Please watch, like, share. Sharing is caring, as they say. And just look for Father Simon Ashaki on the Brooke Taylor Show channel. You can also see the last episode with Paul Darrow and all of the shows on this current season. They will be listed there on the YouTube channel as well. A big thank you to my producer, Mark Cumming, for his dynamic skills and quick work. Mark is a producer extraordinaire. So for any audio visual needs you may have, check him out at comminghomestudio.com. I look forward to connecting with you next week. God bless you.